Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message from Pastor Blaine. Well, good morning again. If you would take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 14, and we'll get there eventually. Of course, this is uh, the week of Thanksgiving, and so we'll spend a few moments talking about the importance of that lost characteristic today. In fact, I was thinking about a lot of things this week, and Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 14 says, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. And if you put a period there, that would make sense. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity... And not but, but and in the day of adversity, consider this. God has made the one as well as the other. So that man may not find out anything that will be after him. What this verse actually means is and says is that God has made days of prosperity and days of adversity. So that we cannot figure out life. Everybody wants to know the secret of life, right? Well, God makes days of prosperity and days of adversity just so we can't figure it out because he knows that everything about life points to him. Everything points to his glory. That way, if I don't know what a day brings, adversity or prosperity, I know this. My focus can't be on prosperity or adversity because I can't figure those out. My eyes must be fixed on his glory and then I can't miss it it is only when we recognize the truth of this axiom uh, that we can truly learn contentment and gratitude so when you go from the very beginning all the way to the end of the book this is one of the, the key ingredients to scripture is learning gratitude Our lives should be filled with the spirit of thanksgiving. In in Psalm 92, the first couple of verses, it says this, it's good to praise the Lord and make music to your name. O most high to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. So here we find night and day, these verses say we're to praise and to thank God. The apostle Paul wrote in Colossians chapter two, verse seven, that our lives are to abound in thanksgiving. Colossians chapter four, verse two says that we are to continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in prayer with thanksgiving. Philippians four, six says we're to do everything with prayer and thanksgiving. In Psalm 116, he talks about making a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Isn't it odd that that thanksgiving, a life poured out to the Lord would be a sacrifice of thanksgiving? The book of Hebrews says that we are to serve the Lord with thanksgiving. Our lives are to be so filled with the spirit of thanksgiving and gratitude for everything that God has done for us. And listen, you can see that God is at work when you you know that he is the God of prosperity and adversity. In prosperity, I'm probably learning something. In adversity, I'm probably learning something. And the goal of both of these is to learn Christ-likeness. Isn't that the goal of our faith? Is to become more like Christ. 
Did you know that in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, let me just read that for you quickly. It says this, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. And as a result of that, God gave them over to their reprobate mind, which means to, give, to allow them to get to the point where they actually think they're right about everything. This is not a blessing. This is a curse from God. What we learn is not only is thanksgiving something that our lives should be about, but that ingratitude is actually a sin. Now, I know it's easy for us to say, well, I know we shouldn't grumble and complain because that's wrong. Not being thankful is just as wrong as grumbling and complaining. Yes, these are commands for us to follow. To be thankful in good times. To be thankful in adversity. This is what produces the character of Jesus Christ. So today we're going to pay attention to, and I know that we are all feeling it. I feel a lot of peace knowing that a lot of us are on the same page this morning. And that is how to be grateful when you don't feel great. Hey, 2020 is something, isn't it? That's something we all got in common, right? How many of us have not been inconvenienced or, let's just be honest, quite miserable, fearful, anxious, frustrated, tired, one thing right after the other. These are weird days. Let me ask you this. What if it doesn't go away? I mean, you recognize that 2020 can't think for itself, right? It doesn't know on New Year's Eve that its time is coming to an end. I know that we keep saying 2020 like it can think for itself, like, like it's got a deadline on New Year's Day, we get a whole nother reset. I mean, I know that we, we actually go on weight loss programs that way, like it's gonna start Monday or it's gonna start, I've never really fully understood that because if I'm gonna wait till Monday, all that means is more hot fudge cake until then. That's really what that means, right? But what if it doesn't go away? What about the world and I've traveled to a lot of it. A lot of the world lives in 2020 and has for generations. Slavery, poverty, disease, racial oppression, corrupt government. Well, here's what I would say to America. Welcome to the rest of the world. We've been fortunate for so long. And we've been able to be thankful. In fact, we're one of the few countries, maybe the only one, that has a day dedicated to Thanksgiving. That doesn't mean the rest of the world doesn't get to be grateful. You know that the, when the Bible was written to people who were in the third world and they were struggling with their own lifetime of 2020? That's where all of these commands came to. People who were living in the midst of weird oppression. Struggle and opponents in every direction they go, and they are commanded, be thankful, prosperity, and in adversity, day and night. In fact, in your prayers, you should be thankful when God hears and when God doesn't. When you feel good, when you don't feel good, be thankful, which tells me that it's a command, not a feeling. We choose to be thankful. 
It is a spiritual discipline, a spiritual muscle that we can actually begin to develop. And, and when we begin to develop it, we find that it is a primary characteristic of a Christ follower is gratitude. It's thanksgiving. In Matthew chapter 14, I want to begin reading in verse 13. Jesus has something I think that is worth us learning here. In verse 13 says, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Uh, other gospel writers tell us he was by himself, but he had also had the disciples go with him, but not the crowds. When the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to the villages to buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they don't need to go away. Give them something to eat. And they said, we only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, well, bring them here to me. And then he ordered the crowds to sit in the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing. And then he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over and all who ate were about 5,000 besides women and children. You see, what Jesus is modeling here for us is gratitude when he didn't feel great. So one of the first challenges I think that we experience with ingratitude is emotional pain. Now, when Jesus had heard this in verse 13, what he had just heard is that his friend John the Baptist was just beheaded. The forerunner of the Messiah. That voice crying out in the wilderness that the Old Testament prophets had described. The one who announced before Jesus did to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The one who said, behold, the Lamb of God. The one who said, I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. The one who baptized him in the Jordan River. Jesus had just heard. And remember, Jesus does not call on his deity in his humanity Jesus is experiencing the loss of a friendship. He is just finding out, surprisingly, this kind of came out of nowhere. It happened at a drunk party when Herod decided to make a decision and it cost John the Baptist his life. And so, as soon as Jesus heard of John's death, what does Jesus do? I need to be alone. Grief-stricken, heartbroken, struggling. He needs to mourn. He needs to grieve. And it's in this context of this intense grief and trauma that Jesus looks up to heaven and gives thanks to God. Now, here we are in 2020. We were planning until Friday to go see our family that we haven't seen since last Christmas. But this week, we decided not to go. Uh, not because we're afraid, we're not, but because we do want to follow the guidelines. It's hard for me to stand up here each week and ask us to keep them if I don't keep them. 
And Kentucky just limited all of their uh, holiday get-togethers to eight people or less. And so uh, it's a hot spot there. In fact, I was counting. uh, My sister and I spoke yesterday, and uh, my dad has lost seven friends this year. And uh, it's a tough, tough year. But let's just be honest. I mean, we are all, seems like we're focused on getting sick or not getting sick and what we can touch and what we can't touch and what somebody else thinks about what we can touch or can't touch, trying to protect ourselves or others. And it's really easy when you start getting into that mindset and you keep the television on the news channel, it's really easy to start getting, having that fear walk alongside of you in this life. But remember, folks, the spirit comes alongside of us as well. But he doesn't compete. He won't compete. Some are now experiencing the anguish of medical procedures, medical problems, pending surgeries, cancer diagnoses. Physical issues can be a really big challenge on an attitude of gratitude, right? Another challenge that Jesus is facing is a physical need. Jesus and his disciples are tired, they're hungry. And let alone the crowd that's been been there all day. The disciples said, send them away. That was their solution. Just send them away. Let them fend for themselves. And Jesus said, no, bring them closer. Matthew records that there were 5,000 men, not including women and children. All they had to feed them was five loaves and two fish. And don't get too excited. The loaves of bread weren't very big and the fish probably weren't much bigger. So there you are, your meal for 10,000 people. Resources are inadequate. They have every reason to be a little panicky. And again, here we are, 2020. Some people are in the midst of physical need. National economy is floundering. There's disagreement in our government about how to fix it. Uh, There's an argument about whether or not it should cost billions or trillions. Now listen, I don't know when debt becomes the fix to financial disruption. Again, there's got to be an answer, but even the answer isn't a great decision. But not making any decision is even worse. How's that for economic stimulus? We just can't agree. Some have lost jobs, or more than likely, even if they haven't lost their job, there is this tenuous job security Some are hoping that people will continue to want what they're offering and that their business will hang on just long enough or maybe even working at home and wondering how long am I going to be able to do this before my boss realizes I ain't doing much. I don't know. Everybody feels that way. I know that we do. We're going to see minimum wage increase in just a few weeks. Great time for that. Not a lot of financial security right now. When that benefit comes at a high cost for Others have good days, but the fear of the possible crash looms over all of us. Yeah, maybe stock market may do great today, but who would be surprised tomorrow if it tanked? Nobody in the room. That's just the world we live in right now. Most people are in deep debt, and they're fix is the same as the government's. Let's just get in deeper debt until we can solve our problem. Listen, that can be a big challenge for attitude of gratitude, right? 
So what happens is, is we, you guys are really in. I mean, either there's plexiglass here and you can't hear me or you're really feeling this, one or the other. I can sense it in the room for sure. So what happens is, is when everybody can agree on the difficulty, we all begin to commiserate with one another. And we feel entitled to grumble and complain and to play a little bit of one-upmanship. Oh, you think you got it bad? Here's what's going on with me. Or, oh, here's who I know that's sick. Or here's what I know that's going on. Or here's the thing that I'm really worried about. And we start sharing those things because they unite us. But let me tell you what that kind of unity does not do. It does not produce Christ-likeness. So it's good that Jesus experiences loss, grief, struggle, hunger, and unrest because it teaches us how to respond in the exact same issues and how to lead others to respond as well because how we respond will teach others how to respond as well. In fact, Hebrews chapter four, verse 15 says that we don't have a high priest that doesn't understand everything we go through. So the days that we're going through right now, Matthew chapter 14 tells us Jesus gets it when we're concerned emotionally and when we're concerned physically. So Matthew 14, 19, what does Jesus do in the midst of this chaos? He looks up to heaven. And he gives thanks. His friend is dead. The crowds are needy and restless. And Jesus responds with thanksgiving. Now, God has promised to abolish physical suffering, financial suffering, evil, and death. And in his means of doing so, it involves absorbing those things in himself in very strong doses. You see, Jesus actually becomes the cure at the cross. And it's very important for us to realize that, okay? We're not waiting for something to happen. Jesus is already the cure. Now, today, we receive therapies day by day. But one day, we'll receive the antidote in eternity. So this gives us impetus for thanksgiving. And in fact, that becomes thanksgiving. So because I know that one day, I mean, today I'm being monitored. Today I'm being watched. I'm being kept. But a day is going to come where I'm going to be cured. God may not prevent hardships of this free and dangerous world. In fact, as Ecclesiastes 7 tells us God actually appoints adversity for our days sometimes. He uses them to develop us into Christ-likeness, which is the point of being here, to be like Christ. But the goal isn't to be like Christ, it's to be like Christ so we can do like Christ. If we settle for being like Jesus without acting like Jesus, speaking like Jesus, loving like Jesus, well, I'm just going to tell you, what good is there being like Jesus if it doesn't matter to our everyday life? You see, the doing comes from the being. Gratefulness in the face of difficulty, loss or lack, it's the greatest 
testimony to our trust and our faith in our deliverer, our provider, and our peace. Obviously and very deliberately, Jesus submitted to the very worst of this fallen world. Not so that we wouldn't have to, but so that we could have hope when we do as well. And when we grumble and when we complain and when we criticize and when we're negative, that wasn't the reason why Jesus absorbed those things into himself. He absorbed them into himself so that he could elevate us above the disruption. He could elevate us above the difficulty so that we could see heaven from here. Listen to me, no matter how deep the darkness, the pit of despair that you're in, you always, when you're in Christ, you always have a vision of heaven just beyond the problem. There's always reason to rejoice. Unless you're focused on your problem. And then, I can tell you, there's always reason to despair. And that's not, a, that's not a muscle you have to exercise for it to grow. It grows naturally. Our most powerful testimony on God's behalf may not be during your best time. There's a proper time to thank God, but it may not be your most powerful testimony. Our most powerful testimony of the goodness of God is how we respond to difficulty and the confidences that we express in his goodness when things are not going so good for us. I think of Noah. Noah is a great example of this. <clears throat> Noah just lost lots of loved ones and all of his enemies and well, everybody that he knew. In fact, everybody that he breathed. Except for seven of them. Uh, six of them were his sons and daughters-in-law and his wife. That was it. And he's on his boat for almost a year. And he hasn't, you know, I mean, can you imagine getting off of this boat and seeing death every direction that you look? No vegetation Anywhere that you look, hardly at all. Noah gets off the boat and the very first thing that he does is build an altar of thanksgiving to the Lord. Listen, you're not going to have a harder day than that. I'm starting over. Everything that I knew is gone. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I think of Joseph thrown in prison for almost 20 years for something that he didn't do just so God could use him in the midst of somebody else's adversity. How does Joseph respond? What you meant for evil, God meant for good. God actually sent me here to save your life. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're about to be thrown into the fire. And by the way, they don't get the end of the book to read. They don't know how it ends. It's easy for us to know, well, well yeah, that they, yeah, there's a fourth man in the fire. Yeah, 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 we know all of that. They didn't know that. Here's what they said. Our God is able. Throw us in. Stoke it seven times hotter. God is able. We will not bow. 
Even if he kills us, we won't bow. Job, everything that he owned is gone, including his family. The only thing that he didn't lose was his wife, who, by the way, I shouldn't say this, probably would have been better because she was begging him to curse God and die. I mean, it's worse to have that woman right there. Just, what does he say? Though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Naked I came, naked I'll go. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Listen, you can't do this naturally. These are spiritual inclinations. But if you're not focused on the glory of the Lord, if you're focused on your struggle, you're gonna respond like the world responds. Man, I think of Jeremiah in Lamentations chapter three, one of the most dismal passages of scripture. Let me just give you some highlights of some words that I noted. Here they are. You ready? I have seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He brought me into darkness. His hand turns against me. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken all my bones, bitterness and tribulation. I cannot escape. Uh, my heavy Uh, My chains are heavy. I've cried out for help. He shuts out my prayer. My paths are crooked. He is a bear. He is a lion. He has torn me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He has set me as a target for his bow. I have become a laughingstock. I'm filled with bitterness. He has made my teeth to grind on gravel. I cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. And then... The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Listen to what Paul, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. That's the upside We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Always carrying in the body of the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe, so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence." For it is all your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to things that are seen, but the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Listen, I don't really like clever and cute, but this is what I wrote in response to that verse, those verses. We need to be praising for the raising 
that we have in Christ and not grumbling for the crumbling that we have in this life. You see, our actions have to be countercultural. And I don't mean a Eastern world, Western world culture, or even a North South culture. I'm not even talking about conservatives or liberals. I'm talking about the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of man. You see, the kingdom of man always focuses on self-preservation. If you're grumbling and complaining, it's because you belong to the kingdom of man. You hear me? Those aren't my rules. That's, that's proof of citizenship in this kingdom is if you're focused on self-preservation. My rights, my liberties, I, 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 I feel, I think. Well, let me tell you about me. Let me tell you about what I, uh, uh, and, or poor pitiful me, woe is me. All of those things. That's the kingdom of, the, of man, right? But the kingdom of God actually elevates its eyes. It's able to see just over the top of all of the kingdom of man issues. And it's able to see the kingdom of God issues. There is no greater testimony than gratefulness when you're not doing so great. People are moved, encouraged, strengthened by the choice to rejoice from the lips of hurting men and women. If you're hurting, and we all do, some more severe than others, some more obvious than others, we all have difficulty, but we need to prove that we are in His kingdom operated by his kingdom character and be grateful in every circumstance. In these days especially, because everybody's listening. And I don't honestly, it's rare to hear the kingdom of God from here. So what we need to do is don't commiserate, celebrate. It's easy to talk about it at Thanksgiving season, but the scripture never talks about Thanksgiving season. It talks about a life of a Christ follower and the expectations therein. Paul learned the meaning of true thanksgiving in the, even in the midst of great adversity. When he was imprisoned in Rome, Paul said this, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's one thing if you read that in an air-conditioned room in some other year other than 2020. It's a whole other thing to be in a dank, dark Roman prison and say, make music in your heart and give thanks to God always for every circumstance. <laughs> that defies reality. So here's just a couple of notes that I'd like for you to take. Number one, we need to remember how much how much God is pleased with gratitude. One of the verses that I, I want to use here is 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. I'm not going to read all of it, but gratitude makes God happy. Yes, God has emotions. And grat our gratitude makes God happy. Listen to this. They raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good. His love endures forever. Then, the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud and the priests could not perform their service. Now listen, this is interesting because so often we think the temple 
is about the priest doing their service. It's not. It's about the glory of the Lord showing up. Wouldn't that be great for the glory of the Lord to show up so much that we couldn't do the things we think so important? Because the glory of the Lord filled the temple. See, God's presence came to the temple in response to the thanksgiving that was coming out of it. Listen, if we truly want to experience God's presence, we've got to learn how to be thankful when things aren't going our way. This seems simple. I, I probably should just overlook it, but I'm not going to. Number two, avoid complaining at all costs. There's never an excuse to complain, not one. And listen, I want you to know that if we were to line up in the worst hypocrite to the last hypocrite in here, which we're going to do that, that's the invitation. We're going to line up. I'm at the front of the line. I'm at the front of the line. Some of you are laughing because you know how silly that is. Some of you are very afraid right now. <clears throat> I'm just kidding. I will tell you, grumbling and complaining are the biggest barriers to gratitude. I mean, they, they stop it dead in its tracks. And we need to learn to catch ourselves when we complain and stop it right away. Don't, don't, do, don't, don't say, well, I probably shouldn't say this. Or, you know what, I should. It's one thing to say, you know what, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said it. It's another thing to spend your entire life apologizing for grumbling and complaining. You know what, you're not sorry if you keep doing it. Stop it. Knock it off. Elevate people, quit criticizing and grumbling and complaining. It's not, I mean, it's hard, but you're empowered to do that. It all comes down to what spirit are you going to depend upon? Is it going to be the spirit of Satan who is always focusing on lack? All the way from Genesis chapter 3 on, that's all he ever focuses on is lack. Oh, but there's that one fruit you can't eat. That one tree you can't eat from. <sighs> now all I can think about is that one thing. God shows up to call him. What do they do? Grumble and complain. Well, it's the serpent. It's the man. It's the woman. It's the serpent. It's the creation. It yeah, all starts from there, right? So just know when you grumble and complain, you're counting on the spirit of Satan to feed you. But when you elevate, when you're grateful... That's how you know you're indwelt with the spirit of the almighty God. Numbers chapter 11 verse 1 says, The Israelites complained about their hardships, and when God heard it, his anger was aroused. You remember the, the Israelites, sons of Korah, when they grumbled and complained about God? I mean, apparently his anger was aroused then because the earth just turned into a mouth and swallowed them whole. You know, of all the miracles, that ain't one I want to see. I certainly don't want to be that close. <laughs> I maybe wouldn't mind a picture of it, but I don't want to be near it. In Psalm 77.3, we get the result uh, of that too. I what the psalmist says is, I complained and, it's very important in Hebrew, and my spirit was overwhelmed. You, don't want to, you want to know why your spirit's overwhelmed? Your spirit is brought peace 
when you're grateful. You want to know why you're anxious, nervous, worried, fearful, troubled, overwhelmed? Because we have complaints in our life, in our hearts. Paul wrote in Philippians 2, 14, do everything without complaining and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. The third thing, you gotta make a personal choice to rejoice. It doesn't happen upon you. This isn't, this isn't as rejoicing Thanks, thankfulness, gratitude isn't a spiritual gift. It's not something that happens upon you. It's, it's a lot like hope. You have to choose hope, right? Hope isn't a spiritual gift. It's not a spiritual fruit. You've got to choose it. Thanksgiving is a choice. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It says, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will in Christ Jesus for you. You want to know what God's will is? You can start by being grateful. Then you'll see the kingdom. And you'll be able to see his will a lot more clearly. Paul said, I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or in want. You see, the spirit of thanksgiving makes all the difference. And if you look back at, uh, that's in, in Philippians chapter four, verse 12, but if you look at verse 10, he starts out by saying, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Philippians, you know, just, just prior to that, Philippians four, verses six and seven, it says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation by prayer petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see what it begins with? Thanksgiving. You see, gratitude brings peace into your life. Gratitude. Who doesn't want peace? And somewhere or another, we feel like venting. You know, people say all the time, well, I just, you know, everybody needs to, somebody, everybody just needs to let it out sometimes. Everybody just needs to vent sometimes. Or you, no, listen, venting doesn't bring peace. Stop venting. Give it to Jesus. See him. Be grateful. Gratefulness is what brings peace. You want peace? Be grateful. You won't have peace by being heard. You won't have peace by being right. You'll have peace by being thankful. Thankful for the right things. Thankful for a home in heaven. Thankful for the presence of the Spirit in our life. Thankful for uh, the hope that we have from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul tells Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing in the world, but take nothing out of it. <laughs> so it seems to me that being thankful is the key to contentment. Gratitude also deepens our faith and it reminds us of his faithfulness. In fact, Psalm 136 verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures for how long? Forever. 
Gratitude also leads to joy. Listen, all the things that we want in this life begins with gratitude and thankfulness. I know that most of us think, boy, if I, had, if I just had what I wanted, I'd have joy. And if I, when I feel joyful, then I'll be thankful. I mean, when we think about our list of thankfulness, we think about the things we're joyful over, right? Of course, but it's actually the reverse of that is true. When we learn how to be grateful, that's when our joy increases. In Psalm 126, it's, uh, it's very clear the Hebrews are actually, they're exiles at the time, and they're singing their thanks to God for bringing them back into Israel. Now, this is in verse 1. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, that's Israel, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. It all started with thanksgiving. And when you are grateful, you actually are defying Satan's lies. It will also, it will guard you against the enemy. Not only does it guard you against the enemy, it will guard you against envy. Satan always points to the lack in your life. God always points to himself. And when you're not focused on him, you're focused on everybody else's stuff. And boy, it is really easy to get caught up, isn't it? It is. It's really easy to get caught up in envy, especially when you're not doing so great. Envy makes us want somebody else's stuff. Gratitude makes us realize that God has already given us far more than we deserve. I remember a Sunday school teacher one time asked a little boy, you know, do you pray before bed every night? He said, no, sometimes I don't need anything. (laughs) Hopefully you'll find that funny. (laughs) You should find that funny. Uh, that's not why we pray. Wouldn't it be great to be able to cheer for others instead of compete? And kind of where I want to end is our testimony because remember what God is doing in us and to us, he's doing through us. And I want to, I want to end where we started. Your gratitude is your greatest opportunity to testify of God's goodness. Your gratitude is more important at revealing God than your dirt. I know a lot of people say, my testimony, I don't have a good testimony. I've never really overcome anything. I've never murdered anybody. I've never been an addict. I've never, you know, all these things people overcome. Listen, that's not the reason. People don't come to Christ because a murderer gets saved. People come to Christ because they see a difference in somebody. That's the difference. It's not their dirt. It's their gratitude. So I don't care what your testimony is. Be grateful. Listen, here's uh, Romans chapter uh, uh, 2 says this, that it is the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. And God is good, amen? And when your testimony of the goodness of God comes out of your mouth, it's your greatest testimony. If you want to see people repent, 
You want to develop a heart for people, be grateful for what God has done and let his works be on your lips instead of how terrible your life is and how worse things are for you than they are for everybody else instead of grumbling and complaining about everything that you have every right to grumble and complain about. Be thankful and people will see Jesus through your lips. Thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. So whether it's physical needs, whether it's emotional needs, or whether it's material needs, we need to just model Jesus and look to heaven and give thanks. Your thanks may be the light that reveals his life, his hope, his peace, his joy, his goodness, his faithfulness, his grace, and his mercy to a world right now that cannot see it from their kingdom. It already exists for you. Just elevate your eyes and see Jesus and begin to cultivate a habit, a spiritual habit of seeing his kingdom through your own. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the hope that we do have in Jesus. I thank you for the peace that we also have in him. And I thank you, Lord, that today you have revealed to us the source of everything good. And, and you are that source, but Lord, many times we cannot see what you're doing. We see days of prosperity and we see days of adversity. And we're excited on good days and we're demolished on bad days. But Lord, today you have, you have given us the opportunity to put an end to the roller coaster. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to be able to see. Help us to lift our eyes toward heaven. Help us to see Jesus. Thank you for his modeling of us, for us. And, and Lord, as we, as we think about all the times that this is true in his life, when he went to the cross, he opened the door for us to have that same spirit. When he, when he rose from the dead, he gave life to that spirit in us so that we too can be grateful in every circumstance. And, and everybody in the New Testament, we, look, we, we, we see time after time after time of, of difficult circumstances. <laughs> I mean, I, I think about the, the worst church in the New Testament, the church at Corinth. I mean, just ridiculously. <laughs> and Paul said, I thank God every time that I think of you. And so, Lord, I don't know what we are, but we're yours. And I pray, Lord, that we would cultivate spiritual attitudes of gratefulness and not just grateful as we're saying our prayers at night in our prayer journals, but we're grateful when we engage conversation at the store, at the neighborhood fence, as we're taking our walks, as we're driving to and fro, 
as we deal with family and friends over the next few weeks, Lord, that we would not take that slippery slope, that easy way of commiserating, but we would celebrate what you're doing and have done in Jesus Christ. And thank you for allowing us to have the eyes to see it from here. So come 2021, whatever may, We thank you and we rejoice. And again, we say rejoice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.